We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hi, I'm Joe Connolly, along with producer Neil A. Caruso, with a business owner whose growing success story was featured in no less than the Wall Street Journal. Marla Aaron of Marla Aaron Jewelry. So there she is in the Wall Street Journal. And people may think, what an overnight success. Isn't this fascinating? But Marla, it was not that way. You went through a lot of changes, career changes, uh, as many of us do. So how did you end up in the Wall Street Journal? What was the road that you took? Absolutely. Thank you, Joe, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, and I certainly want to thank the Wall Street Journal for covering the story. But I had, you know, a completely different career. And I spent over 20, you know, 20, almost 23 years in that career. But I had this deep-seated desire, uh, you know, and love of jewelry. And probably around 2000, I, I 2000, I had this idea in my head that I couldn't get out of my head, which was turning an industrial carabiner into fine jewelry. And I started exploring on my own, on my free time. I was a single mother at the time, so it was complicated. I couldn't just leave my day job. And uh, But I started making the jewelry. And a carabiner like, is what, Marla? A carabiner, carabiner is? is like a, it's like a it's like a quick link. It's like a link to a chain that opens. The cl and climbers use. For climbers use it, but also more in an industrial, uh, you'll see it, you know, right. all around industrial, you know, construction sites and bridges and things like that. And I So it's unusual to turn one into jewelry. It it was at the time. Um and so I started doing it. And then I realized I just started hanging around 47th Street, which in New York is the jewelry, the area where jewelry is made. And I literally would just knock on doors with my, uh, you know, with my carabiners that I had and knock on doors and see who would help me. And I would do this on my lunch hour. And finally, I was also trying to do it late at night at home, trying to make things jewelry, but obviously 47th Street was where it happens. And I finally um, met a guy on the street in a workshop and I left him my, he said, leave this here and come back next week. And when I went back, and this had happened several times, and I went back the following week and he had gone to home, I saw a Home Depot bag on his desk. And I knew that we were in business after that because he had done the homework, he had, he had bought a bunch of them and he had studied them. And together we, you know, I, I started, I started making them and, you know, it, that also, Joe, was not a straightforward path. 
had he taken some of your product to Home Depot to try to no, sell he, them? It no. was no. I had bought I had just industrial carabiners, like right. just and he went and he bought more and they were all laid out on his desk when I got to see him. And I don't even remember if it was Home Depot or Lowe's, but he yeah. had the bat and he laid them out and he studied. And I could tell that he was gonna go to the mat with me to figure to figure this out. And and that's how it started. And I started making them. I still had the day job. Um, and, you know, I would give them away. Basically, I was giving them away for several years, just giving them to people, wearing them. And but I wanted to start my own business. I really I, I was I, I had it all laid out in my head. And when I realized that I could morph the shape of the carabiner using 3D printing, the, so sort of the deeper I went learning about um, the jewelry, the more it uh, untapped my creativity of what was possible, but I still had the day job. And then on a particularly uh, daunting, um, I had a trip to France for work, and I know that sounds very glamorous, but it was not. Um, I had a business trip in France, and I was supposed to be there for 10 days, and I decided to rent an apartment instead of staying at a hotel. And I... Um, the day I arrived, a coffee, a, a coffee pot exploded on my arm and I had second and third degree burns all oh. over my arm. It was it was pretty it was pretty bad. And um, but I had to keep working. And in the midst of this, I realized I, I mean, I, I had this desire. It was just like something. It was a perfect storm. Right. All the elements just sort of came together. And I and also I wasn't getting to send my kids off to camp. I had subsequently remarried. So I had a stepson and my son and my husband. And I just was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to, I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to go home and make jewelry. And I didn't quit in the moment. I just said, I'm leaving and I'm going home because I was sick and everything. And luckily my team mates on the project we were working on, they, you know, picked up the ball for me. And that night huh? on the... Sorry. How much later, how, how many months or weeks later was it that you did leave the job? Oh, it was the following week um, wow. when everybody got back from France. But I that night on the plane ride home, I wrote a PowerPoint presentation to my husband, selling him on the idea of me leaving my job and that within six months I was going to be sold in the top independent stores <laughs> in the country. And he's like, well, I mean, how is he going to say no to me? My arm was bandaged. I, you know, he was like, okay, you can give this. And the presentation was awfully, you know, persuasive. I mean, that's, what I did for a living. And, um, but of course the presentation wasn't true at all. I mean, it was much harder than that. Um, I, no stores were interested. I didn't understand how, how in the fashion and luxury industry you got into those kinds of boutiques and stores. So I was doing it all wrong, but it was the same time that Instagram was sort of coming into being. And I had um, tweens, and um, I made them show me how to use Instagram. And literally almost right away when I started posting the, uh, the jewelry, it, it was almost immediate that we had customers. So we had direct customers before we had stores. Um, so that was a very interesting thing. And then it just, and then it just stored, started happening little by little, never over committing, you know, never overextending, just uh, very much baby steps. <laughs> It's very unusual that somebody tells a story that long and that interesting at the beginning of, of uh, one of these uh, business spotlights. So I'll just ask you before we go to Neil, 
what was your breakthrough then in learning how to sell? Learning how to sell my products yes. or learning how to sell yes. in general? Yes, how to sell jewelry. Other than Insta Instagram got your leads and some business. But now I assume you have to start selling the stores and people and, and learning the direct sales skills or no. I think we've been very rebellious as a company, and I use that word frequently. Um, there's a very tired trope, I feel, in how fine jewelry is sold to women. And um, it's, it's actually not, women love to buy jewelry. They love to buy jewelry for themselves. And I think we presented a really authentic voice. We present a really beautiful handcrafted quality product that's heavy. Um, that's well made and that we work really hard on and that's and we speak to people in plain language we're not um, it, it's not covered in fairies and frost and photoshop um, it's just really honest um, and authentic and and real and I think that's what people have and and highly functional I think um, women are actually quite pragmatic in, in their nature and uh, especially successful women. And the nature of our um, diamond encrusted carabiners is appealing because it's a beautiful object on its own, but it's also highly functional. You can wear it with your things, but you can also wear it with things, um, you can wear it with our things, but you can also wear it with things you already own. So it's picking up the things at the bottom of your jewelry box, charms you may have had from when you were a child, and throwing them on again and giving them new life. So this and that was the sales pitch right there. You did it naturally without even trying. You just did it. Neil. Comes from the heart. I, you know, yeah. Marla, I can tell you know your audience, you know your product. And then so we fast forward, the pandemic hits, and you have to change things up a little bit. So walk me through some of the new techniques that you have had to learn to sell jewelry in a global pandemic. Sure. Um, I so I want to watch. The pandemic was pretty pretty scary for us. We've we've as I've said, we've grown very slowly. So I had to the point I had um, I had four tiny offices on Forty Seventh Street that we were growing out of. But the day that um, the day the lockdown happened, I was actually handing over a lease to um, a landlord for a very large full floor on Forty Seventh Street. An architect was handing a check to and a uh, and a real estate broker. So it was, and then the space was empty and everybody was home and everyone was home for a long time. So this was obviously a very scary moment. And we went home and, and everything was closed down. And I was thinking we would have Zoom. The first thing I instituted on my team, which we were eight at the time, was Zoom meetings where we would have Zoom meetings together from nine, nine in the morning and five to put just some some things, some structure around the day, even though there was really nothing we could do. And then it, March, I think it's towards the end of March, I was thinking every year we give locks away to single moms. We give silver um, heart locks uh we call it the Lock Your Mom Project, and we give them away to single moms. The first year I gave 50, and every year I had doubled it subsequently. And that year of the pan, the first year of the pandemic, I we had planned to give out 800. So I was thinking to myself, you know, this is a, around Mother's Day, we do it. And I was thinking, we could do this. We could figure out a way to get this done. And 
I told the team on one of those calls, I'm like, guys, um, we can't really do our job, but we could do the Lock Your Mom project because we have some of the locks made and we could figure out a way to get them. Um, post office was still running. We can get them to customer. Let's, let's do this project from home. And I have to say, I'm not a spiritual person, but I do believe that, that, that by starting getting going again, getting our workflow going again with this project to give jewelry away, it, it helped us. It motivated us. It also helped us figure out how to work virtually because we had a, several months left to go, but it really got us going. And um, we were able to, we weren't able to give away the full 800, but I think we gave out 500. Um, we all felt extremely inspired by the ability to do that because if ever single moms might have needed the pick me up of our little lock, it was at that, mo at that moment with their home with these children. So, so we, we did it then and it was good. And then, and then we just figured it out. We're like, Zoom is working for us. Let's do Zoom appointments. So we started doing Zoom appointments, but it wasn't just like, hey, Zoom with a customer. We understood that it required orchestration, rehearsal, dominating the archive of photos that we had so it would be seamless. It could never be just one salesperson. It had to be two, someone running the archives, someone you know, talking to the customer. So we did that too. Um, so that was another thing that, that we did, I think very effectively during, during the pandemic. We just kind of learned, we learned to work together for our stores who I call our merchant artists because it's no joke running an independent uh, store across the, anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world. I made these little, same, I use Zoom a lot. I use Zoom and I made little videos and I contacted a videographer to help us tell the story of these independent stores. And we posted it on Instagram to sort of, this is the story of this local business. Um, for Christmas. And your story sells itself on, on digital because I know you do really well with Instagram sales too. So did you learn a lot about your own story and how to sell virtually? Yes, we learned how to sell virtually. We learned how to work. I mean, our workshops, some of the, some of the people that make our jewelry, they were working from home. Um, we, we learned a lot. I mean, I, I developed um, a lot of very creative pieces in our collection, a collaboration we did with De Beers happened during the pandemic, a specific design for an engagement ring called Dime Siempre, which is like a mechanical engagement ring that opens, which we launched um, the first version of uh, during the pandemic. So I know it's crazy, but I found that it, and, and I also had to renovate this space. I had to stop feeling sorry for myself for taking this expensive space during a global pandemic and get to the task of renovating it because it was going to, we were going to have to move into it. And in fact, how many employees do you have now, Marla? Um, I have 18. And how many are designing jewelry and how many are doing sales? So um, I, I design the jewelry. I have a production team of three people. I have a wholesale uh, team of two people. I have a customer experience team of three people. Um, and I have a marketing team of two people. And then we work with some outside outside uh, contractors that also- You design help. a piece every day or when the, when the idea hits you, how often do you design? Um, it's a constant process. I'll give you a quick look. I keep a big board. That's those are my the the messy board over here. Wait, wow. 
those are my designs that are in process wow. for 2022. So I'm already on to 2022. <laughs> we're, we're kind of, we're always working on things in this cabinet next to me. That's my, what I call my mistake cabinet. And all the <laughs> things that didn't work out, I put in there. And if I really ever feel like I'm stumbling and I don't, I go in there because there's always ideas in there for me. Things that we didn't get quite right that I know I could, I still have it in me that we could make it right, you know? Marla, it has been just wonderful to talk to you. I just want to ask, what advice do you have for women or anybody, but women who are in a corporate job or something and they're dreaming of doing something like you have done in whatever field it may be? What advice do you have, Marla? So I would say there are two there are two mistakes, well, not mistakes, but two mistakes that I made. One is I didn't have the courage and I didn't have the faith in myself earlier to do this in my career. I really wish I had done it earlier. That's one thing. The other thing is, is when I first started, when I left the advertising agency and I started, I got nervous immediately once that first response from those top stores in the country didn't really respond to me at all. I got nervous and I started accepting freelance jobs in my previous job in my previous career. And there, so there was a brief, there was this time frame for about um, almost a year where I was trying to do both. I was trying to be a con, you know, a consultant and start my business. And I would say that was probably um, a mistake. And that was a waste of time because I wasn't doing anything that well. I was probably a mediocre consultant and I was doing a mediocre job starting my business. I had to fully pull the rug out and focus a hundred percent uh, you can't really half bake it. You have to do it. You have to go all in, in every respect. Now you're on 47th Street, right? Yeah. Where, where, where about 47th and where is the we're showroom? On, the showroom is on 47th between 5th and 6th. It's a by appointment showroom. We It's open Monday through Saturday, um, 10 to 6. And we love having people visit us. And um, and, and the web address, Marla? The web address is MarlaAaron.com, and we are sold in about 50 stores around the world. What a great story. It's great to meet you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. So gave thank a lot you. of people encouragement and inspiration. Joe, Neil, thank you for asking me to share my story. It's really an honor to get to even have the story, frankly. You know? <laughs> thank you. Great work, Marla. Thanks. Thank you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.